Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Scoop B Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The joint and the journalist. The GOAT. So why ask? Watch out. Watch out. What about it? If he naming them, Scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoopy. Follow him. Yes, sir. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. Scoopy Radio. Really basketball. Got to bring in the big homie, Monica McNutt, MSG Networks, ESPN. She's in there like swimwear. What's going on? Hi, love. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. And what a season we are off to already. Uh, ditto and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Your journey to me, um, I like. I like because um, you are literally paid to be yourself and it shows on camera. Walk me through your first game ever doing sideline reporting. Do you remember it? Sideline reporting, yes. It was Detroit at Houston. Okay. One and two, K versus Jalen. And Michael Lindell and Troy Weaver, folks with the Detroit organization, are DC folks. So I had those ties there. Um, and then at the time, the sideline reporter locally for the Rockets and then the newly hired analysts, um, Ryan and Kaylee were friends of mine. So of course I tapped in with my people, but I was nervous. I would not have said that I was a sideline reporter at that point. 
could I do it? Yeah, but like, I'm an analyst. Like, I've been a game analyst. That's what brought me to ESPN. That's what I started my career primarily doing. Um, and so I was nervous. And I remember asking Lindo, I was like, yo, tell me something that'll get Cade to laugh. Because I had an interview with him in the layup lines to start the broadcast, right? He told me or whatever, some story about some sunglasses that Cade had. And I was like, okay, bet. So right before the interview, I asked Cade about it. And I asked him if I could ask him on camera. So two things happened. He did laugh, like belly laugh, which was a great moment. And then he was like, nah, nah, let's keep that between us, right? And so this chick sitting in front of me with her dad, she was just snapping pictures. But she captured the moment of us laughing, which was like super cool. Kay gave a great interview. I can't remember who won that game. It was a competitive game down the, down the stretch, um, really energetic. And I just had a blast. I was working with Jeff Van Gundy and Dave Pash, I believe. And so I think for me, the moments that stand out were the moments I got to track him down. At that time, Jeremy Grant had just been traded to Detroit as well. He's also a PG County dude. So we got a chance to rap and try to find stories pregame. Had a chance to talk to Jalen about, you know, adjusting to the league. Because we were, that was coming off the summer when Jalen and I had the summer league moment about what you use for your curl pattern. <laughs> 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 so like, he kind of remembered that. So it's cool, I think the things that stand out for me are the moments where guys are either impressively honest or they get a chance to laugh too. Like I think sometimes, yes, they are paid millions of dollars and it is their job to play basketball and they're making a living playing a child's game in many ways. But I do think media, we can be guilty of separating the humanality out of it. And that's not always fair. So I love a good, honest moment where we can just connect. So the thing that I think is cool about your experience uh, is you play collegially at Georgetown um, and you transitioned pretty seamlessly. There's a story in between there, but you put it, <laughs> and I don't want to take away from that, but having the third eye of being a college basketball player, how does that help you timing-wise, question-wise, and relating to athletes? Well, one, I think I see the game in a way that somebody that did who might not, right? Like the smaller details, particularly the communication on the back end. At Georgetown, our team hung our hat on defense. And so I know how much communication is required to have a really stout defensive unit. So there's just little details that I think I pick up on, uh, particularly in the preparation process too. I don't think people grasp how much athletes, both WNBA, NBA, and collegiate athletes across men and women, pour into the two hours that you get a chance to see them play. Like there's so much happening behind the scenes. And so I think being a little bit familiar with that routine um, and some of those sacrifices allows me to ask insightful questions. I think in game, and this is one that I always feel challenged with because me, the basketball nerd, wants to be like, okay, what are we doing about this shooting percentage and why they not closing out? But then there's this, you have approximately 40 seconds to get two questions that reach the audience, right? And the audience is not necessarily basketball nerds, nor is a coach necessarily in the mood to be like, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And so there is this balance that I'm still working to try to strike of questions that are respectable and not wasting the time of whoever I'm with. But to their credit, coaches and players, they understand the game a little bit in terms of it's part of the broadcast. Um, and then two, I just like to create moments that are memorable. To that point, have you A, made Greg Popovich laugh, or B, made him think in your line of questioning? So I haven't had a Greg Popovich. That's the one I'm looking forward to. I have not had the Spurs. I think since I got to ESPN, the Spurs are not what the Spurs were when they were on national television at the time. <laughs> if, or thinking ahead, you were to kind of craft the perfect question that would make him think, 
Would it be something basketball related or something pop culture? Because I got him in an interview asking him a Drake question. Wow. I think I'd have to feel out the game. Like if they were up and he was in the mood, maybe we could have a little bit of a moment. And I think that to me probably would be something, maybe not pop culture, but it would be more observant on the bench. Hmm. Right? Like if there was a moment, can you share what that moment was about with your assistant coach? And maybe we get a, a look or what gum are you chewing on so hard? You know, something like that. Like it, you'd have to feel it out. Cause I think you can tell when somebody's in the mood and when they're not playing with you. <laughs> was there ever a moment in your career that you actually got starstruck? I don't think I've been starstruck in the doing. I have come back after the fact and been like, yo, that was dope. Um, I definitely would say All-Star this year. I was one of the reporters on the radio broadcast working alongside Roz Golden Wude and our terrific um, analyst crew. And the league works closely with you during All-Star, right, during the broadcast. So our producers are like, we're in, we're in Cleveland, you gotta get LeBron. So I turn to this Tim Frank, and I'm like, Tim, they want LeBron. He's like, good luck. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, so here I am, like, in the scrum with all the guys, chasing down LeBron. Um, and I was like, LeBron, can we get two for ESPN Radio? And he agreed. But when I tell you, Scoop, like, the last syllable of the last answer was out, and he was gone. Like, it was legit two. And to his credit, he honored the two, but he wasn't leaving no linger room, because you know how reporters do at, at times. Um, so in the moment, I was just like, okay, cool. I'm, you know, I got him, whatever. Then after the fact, when, you know, friends sent some pictures and said they saw me, I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. Like, cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Your role at MSG, more in studio. Um, how does the dual role of ESPN and MSG help you, I guess, in your process? Because you, you're doing two different roles. Yeah. Um, I'm still watching ball, I think, is the bottom line, right? And a lot of times, being that the Garden is hailed as the greatest arena on earth, guys come to the Garden and want to show out. And so that's just more from my Rolodex when I pull up on first take later in the week. I just watched so-and-so drop 35 and 10 at the Garden. Like, so I think it's still watching ball. Um, I will say that this year, this is my second year in studio with MSG. Anybody that works on local broadcast, you, and you know the drill, like, you can be honest, you can be critical, but you always want to wear your rose-colored glasses, right? <laughs> when I'm with ESPN, take them glasses off, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. And so I do sort of toe the, the company line um, on behalf of the Knicks. Not to my detriment, I think, but I, I do try to bring a little optimism to the national broadcast when it comes to that. But this year in particular has reminded me, yes, you can have those rose-colored glasses, but you also have to remember to look at what the numbers bear out nationally. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something. Um, you're a Georgetown alum. What did John Thompson mean to you? Oh, man. A huge part of the reason I ended up at Georgetown, and that's the time that I was starstruck. I was meeting Big John on my official visit. He pulled me into his office, and my dad actually played for him at St. Anthony's High School before he went on to Georgetown. Um, so he was already sort of this gargantuan figure in our household. Um, but he pulled me into his office, my parents were there, and he's just basically like, what do you want? And I'm like, I wanna be a part of a team. I wanna get a good degree that's gonna set me up. And he's like, this is the place you need to be. And I'll never forget, he asked me what other schools were recruiting me. And I remember at the time, Princeton was one of them. And my mom really wanted me to go to Princeton. And I was like, mm. he was like, you don't wanna go to do you? And I was like, no. 
<laughs> um, but I think one thing that a lot of folks that have either been coached by him or had an opportunity to sit and listen to him, he always talked about not letting um, that 10 pounds of air define you or, or whatever the weight is on a basketball wash and others. Um, yeah. And so I think that's very important. And then after college, and even through college, listening ear, a head nod, willing to connect to share his network. Um, I remember the last time I saw him healthy, I was back home taking a Georgetown game and he asked me how things were going and I gave him a little update. And he told me that he was proud of me, which was really cool because in many ways, he was obviously a giant as a coach, but he also had on, I had a tremendous media show in the DC area and I believe that was nationally syndicated. So those Atta girls did not come easily. Um, so you had to do something that he was legitimately proud of or impressed with. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of DC sports? Oh, wow. This is where me and my dad will argue because I think this is very generational. <laughs> I definitely think you gotta put KD on there. In terms of talent, I don't care what nobody say, Mike Beasley is one of the greatest ballers to come out of our area. Like, God bless his soul, help him stay right, but like, I don't care what anybody says. Talent off the wall. I mean, you gotta give props to Nola Smith, like, went on to do, won a couple championships, like, Nola yeah. did his thing. You got um, one more. I think the Grant boys are not appreciated enough in terms of what they brought. Um, and I think it's dope that you got multiple NBA players from that family following their father's legacy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. In my head, I hear my dad being like, you gotta say Adrian Dantley. And I like didn't personally take in an Adrian Dantley. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but like, that's super legit. I don't know if we can, I don't know that we can claim Allen Iverson. I mean, he's a Hoya. And you know, 757 is not necessarily DC. That's, that's Hampton. And then you got Philly who claims him too. Okay, well, I'm just gonna say that Georgetown bred him, raised him. Word, I give you that. <laughs> and I think I would have to just round it out with AI. Okay, I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. What's next for you? Ooh. I just wanna do work that I'm proud of and I think that is meaningful. And sometimes I sit, we could have had a great show, we could have had a not so great show and I just wonder, who cares? And not to belittle what we do, but like, who cares? Like, how are you impacting others in a positive way? So I take a lot of pride in showing up and representing women. I take a lot of pride in showing up and representing black women, Scoop black B people. Um, but I really hope to kind of, I don't know if it's a foundation, I don't know if it's a mental group, I'm not sure, but that's heavy on my heart in terms of impact, right? Like, I love my job and I'm very fortunate to do what I do. It would be naive of me to think that I'm gonna do this forever. Whether it's my choice or the powers that be choice, life has a funny way of dictating where you need to be. And for me, this is not the only thing. Sure. I see people. So, I see yeah. Like yeah, so like, there's other things. Tell me something. You covered your first NBA Finals this last season. Uh-huh. Best non-basketball thing to do in San Francisco. Best non-basketball thing to do in Boston. Ooh, okay. So there was a really good Nordstrom rack not far from the hotel in San Francisco. <laughs> okay. There was also some real bougie spots if you was trying to, you know, mess with the budget. So there was decent shopping in San Francisco. We also found a really good Thai spot. And we tried to go to this Michelin rated ramen spot, the line was out the door. Went down the street, found another solid ramen spot. Line was not out the door, it was also delicious. So there's good food in San Francisco. I enjoyed that. 
Um, I didn't do it on this trip, but I do know the wine Like we couldn't figure finesse it, you know what I'm saying, to make it work this trip. But that was definitely one thing that we wanted to do. We couldn't really squeeze in. But I think the wineries out there are stunning. They have this bacon that's like signature to the region, I guess. Billionaire bacon with like thick maple crust and pepper, like something delicious. Okay. <laughs> very, very delicious. Also, shout out to Mark Spears. Got all the NABJ folks together over in Oakland. Can't remember the name of the spot, but it was also delicious. Like a vibe. So many good people together, just kicking it. We had Mexican, it was amazing. In Boston, I think the water is underrated in Boston. Like the water, like drinking water or like pool water? No, 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 like the, is it rivers up there? I'm terrible at geography. The bodies <laughs> of water in Boston. <laughs> that makes two of us, but I'm listening. <laughs> there's like, there's bodies of water in Boston that I think are underrated. Like I did a couple different hits. One was at the super cute hotel that had a rooftop that overlooked, I guess it was a river, I don't know what it was, something. Yeah. And then we did one from MIT's sailing location, which was like right on the water. And it's summertime in Boston, right on the water, like vibes. Like just again, beautiful, like settings. The breeze off the water is great. It's low humidity, like just perfect weather. So in Boston, I just kind of found myself walking around a little bit, just exploring. Um, and I think the weather in Boston was top tier. And then the night after the finals, Coach Carlissimo, there's an Italian spot up there the whole ESPN crew. Mind you, Scoop, it's two o'clock in the morning, full on steak dinner, like wine, like spaghetti, yeah. like. But an another thing, I think for me at this place in my life, I'm so much about the memories and the moments that we share. So those are two like get togethers that really stand out. When you go back to San Fran, let me know I got the winery connect for you. Let's do, this year, I don't know that we are going back, but I'm gonna plan it in advance this year. It's not gonna sneak up on me. Napa is the wave. Yes, I believe you. I went, I've been, that's how I know it's a thing, but we didn't make it out with North Finals. We got to chase that. Absolutely. Before we get up out of here, um, mm -hmm. but you don't know if we're going to go back to, to, to San Francisco for the finals. It's still very early. Um, the Boston Celtics mm -hmm. were the underdog going into the finals last season. Um, against a Warriors team that got it together in the playoffs. Um, so far this season, what have you liked about them uh, with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, and company? Non-stat, I've liked their focus. Big-time stat, I've liked the way that they can share the load. I mean, obviously, Jalen and Jason are the headliners. But I think, should they have an off night, right? You got Malcolm Brogdon, who, to me, if he continues to come off the bench, which has been the case, I know he's battling some injury. But in my head, I'm like, that's the sixth man of the year coming off the bench in terms of the impact that he has the ability to make. Um, that was my early pick for six man. So, but I think that team grew up in the finals. And another thing about the finals that I don't think people talk about, which is why I would not necessarily put the Warriors back. Steph got hurt in that game versus Boston. Yeah. About 30 days or so out from the playoff run. <laughs> Completely rested. Rolling into the playoffs, kicking butt, taking names. If that doesn't happen, I don't know. If that doesn't happen, I don't know. If Ja is available, I don't know. 
Like, I just think that while the Warriors are a dynasty to be respected, luck benefits us all. And I think they got a couple of lucky bounces last year. Now, that's a whole digression of whatever. But when I look at the Boston Celtics this year, they have a very secure identity. They know who their stars are, but if their stars are off for whatever reason, they can still get scoring, they can move the ball. I think Derek White has been tremendous for them off the bench. Obviously, the elevation of Peyton Pritchard this year, right? Like, and these are the things that I think as a former Hooper, you appreciate more than somebody that maybe not has had that experience. Peyton Pritchard ripping a ball from somebody and getting four rebounds and a steal or hitting those timely threes. Like, sure, he might have an 18-point game and then have a six-point game, but I know the kind of energy I can count on from him. And I, I know that he understands that the game kind of dictates what his team needs from him, right? And so that's big. Obviously, this is a team that continues to hang their hat on their defensive identity, which I think is fantastic. And it's been very impressive to me the way that they've been able to stay in stride considering all the offseason drama. Say you're going to the gym after this interview and you're playing a pickup game and John Wall and Malcolm Brogdon are both available. Who are you going with in, on your squad? Brogdon. And I love John. I'm so excited to see him back playing ball and helping. But I've always loved Malcolm Brogdon. Like, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brunson, um, Mike Conley, Drew Holiday to a degree, like, no flash, all ball. Like, can't hit you at all three levels. Maybe not an elite three-point shooter, but if you leave them open, they're gonna do the damage. Like, those are my favorite types of point guards. I don't need no flash. Like, even Chris Paul, and now in his, particularly in the second part of his career, I don't need a whole bunch of dynamic explosion. I need you to get us in our offense. I need you to be able to defend and hit me when I'm ready to shoot the ball. Like, simple. <laughs> Last question. You've been swagging on camera. Your, your outfits, they, 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 you're doing work. <laughs> What's your go-to on an off day? Sweats or jeans? Oh, 100% sweats. I don't want anything tight. Like, in my older age, things are expanding. Like, I don't need anything tight. <laughs> in your older age, she says. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's so funny because I feel like I maybe have created a persona on air that is not legit off air. Yeah. I mean, not that I don't think I could put a casual fit together, but I work with an incredible stylist, Sydney Page, do you recommend her? And I think because the on switch includes the fit, make up the whole bit, when I get to just put on a t-shirt and some sweats and a kick, like, and no makeup, I'm very happy. <laughs> Scoop B Radio. That's what I had on before I sat down. I still no, got the pants up. What I have on right now, I tried to put my little Selena shirt, at least I had a message. Word, word. Vince McNutt, a joy to talk with, easy to go and talk with, and um, I wish you nothing but success the rest of the season. The same to you, friend. This is an honor, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! 
Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O- L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.